Sports fans are all too used to hear. Until now. No more negative expectations. No more playing the victim. No more fair weather freeloaders. No more. 38-yard field goal by Morton Anderson. The hold, the kick, it's on the way, it's up, and it is From the Mesmerized Studios in Woodstock, Georgia, Believe Entertainment proudly presents Believe in Atlanta Sports with your hosts, Robert Taylor and the Commissioner, Mark Rich. Greetings and salutations, Atlanta sports fans. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night. The whole Truman Show thing because we don't know when you're watching or listening. We get in here kind of early uh, in the morning sometimes because that's just the hustle. That's just the grind. And I wanna, we want to cue something up for you here because we had something pretty cool happen last night in Atlanta sports. So give me a second. This, is, this will be in the show later. Like we're, we're just getting, getting her off the ground here. And now I can't find it. So whatever. <laughs> it was awesome. Trust yeah. and believe it was awesome. <laughs> I sent it to myself, and now it's it's not here. It's gone. I don't know what happened, but up, oh, I just found it. This this is hey, welcome welcome to show business, everybody. So thanks for sticking with us. But we've got so, really good editors. So this. basically, what this is is uh, the Braves called up a young man last night by the name of Vaughn Grissom, no relation to Marquise, and. Uh, you know, it's it's not going as planned. It's just not going. Scratch that. So anyway, the Braves brought him up uh, because of the injury to Arcia and his first major league hit. He hit it not just over the green monster. He hit it out of the park. So welcome to the show, Vaughn Grissom. Like, that's there's what better entrance could you ask for? And it happens. It's happened a lot over the years. But that's just a, what a grand entrance. And it. Well, I'm excited that the young man is here. He was crushing the ball down in double A. I think he was hitting like 363. And uh, it's exciting. You know, it's kind of like, will he provide that extra little spark to just kind of charge us into the postseason? Kind of like when, you know, the Braves were kind of in the doldrums and then Michael Harris comes up and things just kind of clicked and Dansby starts hitting and the Braves were off to the races. So that being said, uh, besides the opening debacle, Welcome, welcome. How did you start your morning, Mark, today? Uh, today, I had to take my mom to the airport at the absolute butt crack of dawn. But here we are. Yeah, I started my day out uh, with the Spinners, the first song that came on the radio, Rubber Band Man. So that's always got me got me moving around a little bit. We went to the Woodstock Business Club meeting, did a little uh, networking, trying to get this thing off the ground, and... And just again with some basic housekeeping stuff, 
thank you to everyone. The new episodes are up, and the uh, the first episode, the numbers keep climbing, and we've already had some good good hits on this one. But I, I just wanted to bring it up. It's not bothering him as much as it's bothering me, but there was this random statement that came out in the last show, and, and we watched just to kind of take notes on ourselves. And I, I mentioned that I was a concealed carry guy and then just kind of went away. I think maybe you understand, but the point I was trying to make is like other states don't reciprocate that. So I have to be mindful where I go because if I go and they don't reciprocate and I get in trouble, I have to deal with their laws. Anyway, done with that. The other uh, kind of housekeeping notes and everything is is Mark's ma watched the show and uh, she made a very good point because I noticed it too. <laughs> she said we needed fidget spinners when the other one was talking. And it really is just because, first of all, we're heavily caffeinated. But second of all, overly, overly caffeinated. Yeah, because, I mean, he's got a job. I have a job. We have school and, uh, you know, stuff like that. And sometimes you don't get all the sleep you want and you got to get motivated. And also, too, it really is like we this is so much fun for us to just to come here and have this be happening. We just get really excited and we can't sit still in our seats. So we're going to try to focus on that. Patience uh, is definitely a virtue in having something <clears throat> to say and also having the patience to wait for the other person to finish is uh, sometimes you just yeah. start shaking a little bit. It's no problem. It's kind of like when Tommy boy had the biscuit and you know, it's, it's pretty little pet, you know, and then you just, <laughs> blah, just, um, but, uh, so playing off last night, Braves get another win. They take two. You looking at me, Mark? It, is, is this shocking anybody took that two, he's, well, he's coming know, at yeah. me about the, they took the two, Braves being the Red Sox? Took two from your Bo Sox, but they're having a down year. Switzerland. They're, they're pretty. Switzerland. Pretty, I know, but I'm still going <laughs> to rub it in your face because, you know me, my whole life I've always been like, who do you like? You can't, because I, I guess you can. I mean, sure, sure, you can have two teams, but I'm just like, hey, man, if you're in Atlanta, you're a Braves fan, you can't, you, you, oh, you got to put on a Cardinals hat now, pick a side. I'm just that guy. And it, it, it's fair. I totally I totally get it. I I think my situation is a little more unique than than most people who have two teams or they really just like a player and so they pick up another team for it. But but either way, I I've made it clear Red Sox are always going to be my first love, but I also unfortunately have a side piece and <laughs> her name is the Atlanta Braves. See, I I think the Braves should be your main one, but it's okay. And and again, for you guys out there, you can have a second team. I'm just probably going to give you a hard time about it. Listen, it's cool. The different divisions are just like different area codes. Yeah. Ludacris told me that was okay. <clears throat> exactly. I guess if I, I mean, I guess I kind of do. Uh, I enjoy uh, Angels baseball. I watched a lot of it back in the day. Uh, you know, Jim, Jim Edmonds and all those guys. Um, haven't watched too much lately, but yeah, I guess. I can't officially claim that, but I guess, you know, if I were going to have one, I have a, a, a best friend, a brother from another mother out in L.A. He used to like the Dodgers. He doesn't anymore, man. He's like, nope, I'm done with them dudes. But so I guess if I were going to claim one, it'd be the Angels. But <clears throat> we're getting off track here, but that's okay because uh, I say this is a fly-by-the-seat-of-your-pants show and kind of drives Mark over here a little nutty because he's definitely a uh, let's-get-organized, let's-get-things-going type of uh structure he has he says he has late onset ocd it's it's bad <laughs> it's really bad but i just hate i hate having something to say and then having to stop and look it up when i know what i was talking about if i just write it down it sticks in my brain and then i also have it in case i actually forget 
and he's got tons of great stuff for you today. This is going to be uh, mainly a Falcons show because today is Thursday. This show is going to go up, and you're going to see it hopefully before kickoff tomorrow. But this is kind of our kicking off the Falcons season. It's here. We're going to be playing real football before you know it. But before we do that, let's just kind of go through uh, last night's game a little bit. And, uh, you know, we, we may talk about some some Twitter GMs because they're out there. But Ozuna, he got off the schneid last night, hit a bomb. A lot of people in Atlanta are not happy with that man right now. And he's not playing well. But um, here's where I'm going to jump on my soapbox again. He doesn't suck. It's I don't I don't think it's about sucking per se he doesn't suck as a baseball player but he's not he's not producing I don't I don't <clears> see where it makes sense and I know Darno's banged up but I don't see where it would ever make sense to have Ozuna in the DH role when you had Contreras as an option so this is kind of I won't say this is our first fight but maybe this is our first kind of disagreement because there have been some other people that are like they also said Brian Snicker was dumb as dishwater, and I'm not going to go there because I'm just not, like, Twitter GM. Um, and they were like, I, I would know better than to play him, or I would sit him, and my argument is this. Uh, first of all, batting averages can be a little deceiving. Sure. Because there's such a thing as productive outs. You know, you moved a man over, you played it a run, and everybody was ready to run Dansby out of town early in the year, but he was, he was hitting the ball hard. They just weren't landing. They weren't falling for hits. Now, uh, Ozuna has had some uh, games where he uh, struck out heavily, but I, I went back and looked at like the last five, six, seven games. A lot of them flied out, grounded out, fouled out. <clears throat> so don't, don't live and die by a player's batting average. But another thing, too, is in, in Major League Baseball, a lot of times you want that guy in the lineup, and ha- the, the, the term is to get him going. Maybe shuffle him around some, get him some more ABs, let him see some better pitches. You hear that a lot. Now, when do you draw that line and say, okay, this isn't working out? He spent time in the cage, he's watching film. So that's just, you got to look at it from that angle. Like, try to think like a coach, try to think like a player and not just go, well, he sucks, get him out of here. Well, no, because sometimes it's a timing thing and you can work in the batting cage, but until you see live pitching, you may not be able to get that timing down. So. So you don't agree with me that the Falcons should try to package him in a deal for Roquan Smith? <laughs> yeah. Hey, man. You know. Whatever it takes. Yeah. Get my man. Um, well, you know, Ryan Pace is, is here now. Uh, former uh, man. And the Falcons have like th- three or four GMs in their uh, organization now. It's so. sweet. Um, so, and that's another thing, too, is people uh, talk about uh, hitters not hitting well or or whatnot. I can tell you one thing: when they when they ban that shift next year, you're going to see some averages go up. But one reason, and this is just me speculating, I, I think a lot of people would agree that batting averages have fallen because not that the pitching is better, but these guys are throwing the ball so much harder. I mean, 101 miles an hour, 100 miles an hour, 102 miles an hour. Well, agreed too, and you don't have that. You don't have starters going seven, eight, nine innings on any kind of regular basis anymore. You see them come out in the the sixth, seventh, and how many complete games have we had this year? It's got to be less than a handful. 
Yeah. I know that uh, just watching games, like various games, like Braves and other uh, teams, that they uh, the announcers are talking more about pitchers going longer, and maybe it, it, we are starting to turn back to that slowly because, it, it you know, Freed goes pretty long in his games if he can. Strider, you know, is, is getting up there. Well, in the, in the really good pitchers that have a few different pitches can do that, and they're a little bit more flexible, but – Really, what it's been now is like get in there and throw as hard as you can yeah. for as long as you can, and that <clears throat> that duration is a lot shorter than you know. I just remember like, I, and I don't know why he always pops into my brain when I think about complete games, but Roy Halladay, like I I literally just remember playing fantasy baseball and like complete games was one of the one of the stats that you just love to get because you can win an entire category with one complete game, and then you got one guy who has. Uh, Roy Halladay, and sometimes you get two in one week with that guy. Nolan Ryan. Sure, sure. I think there's some games. I could be way off, but I, I'm going to say there, there were some games that Nolan Ryan threw close to 200 pitches. Sure. I, I, Nolan Ryan is a workhorse. Like, But you, you don't have that anymore with like Roger Clemens, those type of pitchers who threw harder than hell forever. They just kept throwing, but you also had the guys that gave you all the heat up front. Randy Johnson, his pitches slowed throughout the game, but he also he also hit you with a, a slew of pitches. It wasn't just the heat, and I'm, you're seeing a lot of people like almost specialty pitchers where they have one, maybe two pitches, but they just come in and give it their all. It's like a bunch of relievers rather than – a bunch of really good frontline starters. I got a thought on that, but in in the you know uh, spirit of trying to complete our thoughts and and things, Nolan Ryan, uh, strangely enough, and I don't know why, strikeout king. Nobody's ever going to come close to that. Seven no hitters, never won the Cy Young. He doesn't have a Cy Young. Uh, it's crazy uh, uh, to think that, that one of the greatest pitchers of all time never won one. It'd be interesting. We're going to have to go back and look and see who won the Cy Young's all those yeah. years he was pitching. So speaking of pitching, um, here's another thing to think about too, Braves fans, when you you know talk about hitters not being that good or, hey, they suck. Because let me tell you, the worst statistical player in all of Major League Baseball is better than any of us. Wear you out. So pitching, here's another thing to think about, just a little nugget. There's a thing. So from the mound to home plate is what? 60 feet, six inches, right? Now you don't have 60 feet, six inches to see that ball, to hit it. There's a thing called a pitcher's reach. And on average in the MLB, it's about six feet, six feet, two inches. Spencer Strider, who, by the way, throws the ball really hard. The guy consistently nails a hundred. Dope stash too. Yeah. I wish Snicker would bring his back. Remember Snicker when he was the third base coach for the Braves had the stash going? Maybe maybe for the playoffs they can – what if everybody grew mustaches for the playoffs? Because typically it's beards. But that'd be cool. That'd be awesome. I think it, that'd be really, it would be very fun to watch. Maybe all the fans, too, uh, if you can grow a stash, grow the stash for the playoffs this year. Maybe we'll start that up and go viral. Uh, but what I was saying is, talking about Spencer Strider, his reach – is close to seven feet. So what does that mean? That his windup delivery to when he's letting it go, he eats up seven feet. So subtract that from 60. 
That's about 53 feet now. It's not very far. So imagine standing in a box with a bat and having a ball thrown at you at 100 plus miles an hour from 53 feet away. Dude, it's no secret that everybody, too, says hitting a baseball is one of the hardest things to do in the world. And now these guys are throwing that fast and you have that little time to react. So it's not all the hitter's fault because these guys, the shift, holy cow, is it accurate? It's pretty darn accurate. You know, I used to call Freddie the shift beater, and there's other guys in the league that can do it pretty consistently, but it's tough, man. Those guys got it down to a science, and I can't wait for it to go away. We can talk about the shift another day, about whether it's good or bad and, and why it's happening. But I just wanted to throw that out there. Like when you start talking about being, if you know, you're going to try to be a Twitter GM, at least put some thought into it and know the game and understand some of the little nuances before you just start popping off at the mouth. The, the hot takes we're talking about. Don't, yeah. just, don't just see something and develop an opinion immediately. Just think about it. And, and really, when we talk, and this will be our last thing about Twitter GMs, because this is one thing I don't like about them. We're talking about you, dude in the stands at the Braves game, who still thinks he's, uh, you know, uh, at the Lambda Chi house in college, chugging beers at the game. You're eating nachos out of a helmet. And most of the cheese is running down your Duck Dynasty beard onto your America back-to-back World War uh, champion shirt. <laughs> And your gut's hanging out like, cool. I'm, I'm glad, you know, you should, yeah, run the team. We're talking about Rita, who's the, uh, you know, assistant manager at Title Max, saying she never believed in, in Mariota when he was drafted in the first place. I'm not saying working at Title Max is bad. I'm just saying there's a reason that these guys have their job, and there's a reason we have our jobs. So, not saying you can't have a feeling or an opinion, but I'm just saying, like, we're, we're here to help you. We want to help you sound like a more intelligent, better fan. Well, and to circle back to the whole Ozuna thing, like, I, I personally don't understand, but I have faith in Snit, so I don't, I don't question why it's happening. Just in my head, I'd be like, hmm, I wonder why he doesn't do this. Not, oh, he's an idiot for not doing this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't... I. I get it. I just, I have strong opinions about things. Yeah. And you can have strong opinions, but this is some of you out there are just flying off at the mouth and it's, it's, you just sound ridiculous. And that's the thing that I want. I would like more Atlanta fans to kind of just think about like until Brian Snicker or the Atlanta Braves give you a reason to not believe in them anymore. Trust them. They're professionals. They do this for a living every day. Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot, everybody. God, man. Everybody's complaining about, I said this the other day, like there are people in Atlanta that would complain no matter who's under center. There are people that would love for Michael Vick to come out of retirement and play for the Falcons. And another guy commented, he said, man, if Randall Cunningham said he was coming back, you know? Sure. It's a, it's a very real thing. It's wildly annoying, but I mean, you're going to get that regardless, but I just, I, I don't understand, especially I've, I've seen people refer to the Arthur Smith, Terry Fontenot combo as the most reactive management team. Um, and I, I, it's so early and they've had such tragic things <laughs> going on. I, I just don't understand how you, you can even pass judgment this close. I, I mean, 
we're going to be talking about the Falcons a whole lot mm-hmm. this year during football season, so we'll be able to analyze throughout the year. But up until right now, with the amount of money we have, people always question, you know, what happened with Julio Jones, the taking a look at Deshaun Watson, and ultimately um, trading Matt Ryan away for a third-round pick. They're going to look at that stuff as maybe that's what they mean by reactive. Um, but but they walked into a really bad situation. Like the only mm-hmm. constant in those in that situation for them was essentially Matt Ryan and Grady Jarrett at that moment. Uh, Julio at the time just injured all the time, so no, you you don't even know what you have there, and like you're just hamstrung by money issues, and we're still hamstrung by money issues until next year. So I give them a minute. Give them yeah. a minute. I, we're we are one hundred percent a rebuild. It's not like you got a great football team that was a playoff contender the year before, and then all of a sudden they just dismantled it. This this was happening. That's the reason the last regime is not here. It's the reason we have a new regime is because this was going to happen. They're just managing it right now, and then hopefully on the back end we're going to watch them bring it back up. That's. Yeah, man, we could get down such a Falcons rabbit hole, and we're going to. So let's let's wrap up our Braves uh, because Mark has a ton of stuff for you. I want to stay on path. Just some little little uh, tidbits. <clears throat> Braves right now are seven games out, five and five in their last ten. Uh, Mets are eight and two. Look out! I said this on Twitter. The dark horse. Look out for Philly, man. They're nine and one in their last ten. They're not going to go quietly. They're going to be pesky. They could really be a thorn in, in some people's sides. But Padres have absolutely stunk it up since Soto came to town. They are last in a lot of offensive categories. I think they're batting like 220-something. I saw a thing on Twitter that I posted. I'm not going to – after that last phone fiasco, I'm not messing with that phone anymore <laughs> during this show. But next four against the Marlins, then next four against the Mets. Big time here. We need this one. We cannot uh, pull the old flushing flop uh, like we just did. We need to uh, – I, I would like to – well, four-game sweep, great. But three and one, uh, I don't want to split it. Uh, I mean, I, I, will t- I mean, I guess we'll have to take a split if it happens. <laughs> like kissing your sister. Yeah, so there you go. Uh, that's coming up. Uh, we're getting down to the nitty-gritty here. We were maybe 50-something games left, So, but still a lot of baseball. But – as these as it winds down, these series uh, start to become bigger and bigger and and more important. So we are going to switch gears now because Mark's got a ton of stuff to talk about, and I, I'll just kick it off by kind of saying what he was saying. There's just a I just I I want more unity in the Atlanta sports community. I want more people to be on the same page. And and some people on Twitter have said, hey, I have a right to feel what I feel. And of course you do. And not everybody's going to like what we have to say. There may be people that didn't like our take on the whole Griner saga. That's But that's you can have a different opinion. But let's engage. Let's talk. I don't hate you. That's where the whole agree to you disagree know. thing comes in. Yeah, so- I just... Sorry to interrupt you. You go ahead and finish that thought. No, it's uh, agree to disagree. I actually had this conversation with my mom while she was critiquing our show. Um, but it, it doesn't exist anymore. Uh, intelligent debate doesn't exist anymore. It's you You pick a side, then you draw a line in the sand, and anybody on the other side of that line, it's you have to be angry with them. You have to tell them why their opinion is stupid. It can't be like, oh, that's 
That's interesting. I don't think that way. Let's talk about why we think differently. And I'll give you a good example. I put a post up yesterday. Uh, it was a retweet, and it was like, hey, Mariota's our guy. Let's get behind him. Let's support him because right now, as it stands, he is the starting quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons. And this woman gets on. She goes, no, he is not. Being the guy under center or being the guy is not the same as being the guy under under center. And I'm like... What are you I, talking about? Exactly. I said, I never said he was, uh, you know, uh, the QB of the future. But I'm telling you, we, hey, and the, here's where you trust Terry and Arthur. Mariota has worked with Arthur Smith before. They, I don't think it was a situation where they would just took whatever they could get. They were like, they, they saw something in Mariota that maybe they thought would work here in Atlanta. And I hope, you know, uh, new team, uh, new environment, whatever, like the Cordero Patterson thing, like, who know Mariota's got a strong arm. He's got a good arm. He's a good quarterback. But so to not ramble, I was like, hey, look, he may not be here next year, but for this season, he is the guy. And she just kept going on and on. And I said, look, okay. Like, I, what do you want to argue about? Like, what, yeah. what's the problem? And I said, Falcons fans are just so argumentative. They just got to be right. And I'm like, look, Feel what you want to feel, but I'm telling you, I'm trying to establish this unity in Atlanta of trusting the organization and giving them a chance and supporting the team and going, hey, you know what? Because he's here, he's our guy. And until he's until he's not our guy, until right. they pull the string and put Ritter in because Mariota is so bad or whatever. But but why can't we just let these things play out? Why does it have to be what it's the hot take thing? Like, you want to kill him before he has a chance to prove you right or wrong. You know what I'm saying? You just want to wanna say, oh, he's not, he's not the guy. He's not going to do anything. Like, why, why would you even focus on that? Why, why wouldn't you, like, whether you like him or dislike him, like, that's quarterback number one for us. And regardless of what happens in the season, like, it, why, would you, why would you even pass judgment on the guy and until you get to actually see, we haven't even seen you. You're mm-hmm. gonna tell me you mini camps and all the good stuff you just got to watch on TV where they're not wearing pads, and you saw them throw a duck, and you saw somebody get an interception in practice, and now it's like, oh god, the whole season's over. Oh, dude, on another guy on Twitter was like, if Matt Ryan throws an interception in practice, Twitter lights up like a Christmas tree. Mariota does it, and it's crickets, you know, and it's just like. Man, and I and I she she shut up after this. I said, "Well, hey, how about this? If you're right, I will tell you you're right. Shouldn't have signed him. He was bad, terrible, you know, experiment. It didn't work." I said, "But if he does what the organization thinks he's capable of doing, make sure you sit down and make sure you stay quiet. I don't want to hear a word out of your damn mouth." Yeah, that's uh, it, because the people that shit on him in the beginning will be the ones in game nine going. Yes, wearing a Mariota jersey. That's my boy right there. No, it's not your boy. It never was. So if you're if you're a Mariota hater right now, you better stay, even when he gets good, you better stay a hater. Don't be that. Don't be that guy. And and everybody watching this that was Team Luca over Trey Young, you're on that boat too. Just just know, I have it out for you, all of you. But I'll say this too. I'm kind of of the uh, Cat Williams school of thought. Collect them. Collect the haters. If you got five now, make sure you got fifty by next spring. You know, fair enough. So, 
but that's kind of kicks off our Falcons thing. Um, we were getting a, we're getting a, uh, looking off camera here for a minute. We're getting a sign, seeing how much time we got. Uh, looks like we got some time. So anyway, uh, I don't want to stay on this too much, but you know, we threw our hat in the ring on the grinder thing. We can just throw a quick hat on Deshaun Watson and say how I'm glad we avoided that colossal train wreck. And I can't even believe we were even thinking about, you know, there was the picture of him with the jersey on a foosball table when he signed with the Browns. It was a Falcons jersey. Like, I can't even believe we even entertained that idea. And I think I texted you. I was like, man, if if this guy comes to Atlanta, I am done. I will never back this franchise again. Thankfully, we dodged that bullet. And it looks like the NFL is going to get it right because Goodell has said he saw the uh, information, some of the evidence, and says it's egregious and predatory, and it, it warrants a one-year ban. And man, man, I I still I still don't like how this all plays out. I I have my feelings about Roger Goodell, and yeah, the way Roger Goodell has it set up now is that somebody else gives out the punishment, the initial punishment, and then Goodell gets to come in and review it after he waits to see the crowd reaction to the punishment that was handed down and based on what everybody, how, how everybody's reacting to it, he gets to swoop in and be the, the savior, the good guy. And I, man, I'm not about that, but he's, they're going to get this one right. It looks like if, if that's even right, I don't, I don't know how you, I, I don't know how you, you would be able to like put a number of games on, on all of this, but I mean, if you're asking me, I, I'm saying you're done forever because it's not okay. It's not cool. It's not okay uh, one time, but for the love of 26, all things holy, thirty. You know, um, and that's the thing. It, it, there's still people out here that still don't want to hear it, and it's like, oh my god, if thirty people. And believe or mesmerized media come to me and tell me that Mark drank the last Coke in the break room and you, and you say you didn't, chances are you probably did. Another thing too, I realize that sometimes in, in life you, you get settlements, auto accidents, other things. But in this situation, it really just seems like it's, you're paying them to go away. The Texans already had 30 women that they had to take care of. I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's the same 30, but it's like, come on, man. Have some common sense. Stop being ignorant to the fact that 30 women didn't get all get together and hive up and say, let's get him. Like, I'm sorry. There's more to it. We already know he was sliding up in their DMs and, and messaging them. And, like, it's, I'm sorry. Something's rotten in Denmark. He did, he, whatever. That's where I'll, that's where I'll just end it. It's not cool. He did. He, I, he did some inappropriate things concerning women it's not okay it's never okay and i think hey man you're done get out but it you know if it has to be a year it has to be a year that's just where i'll leave that i'm just, i'm glad he's not in atlanta but i'm sorry when enough people come forward like that you don't need a court i mean yeah everybody what, should have their day in court but i'm just, sorry something's there just think about being the team that just inked his fully guaranteed deal like what i mean <laughs> the browns going brown mm-hmm but holy shit, are you kidding me? Like a fully guaranteed contract, not knowing what what was going to happen to him. 
none of it makes sense. Like, I, I really hope somebody puts some sort of clause or something in that contract. There's got to be something yeah. in there. But you you are just hamstrung. Yeah, and let's wrap that up and stay on path because you got a lot of good stuff here. Let's talk about it. Uh, Falcons play the Lions tomorrow. Camp's been going on, the mini camps, everything. I'm going to let you take it from here. You talked about three scenarios last show. Just start digging into all this. Let me let me clear it out for you. Let me clear some space. Well, it, take it away. The the three scenarios kind of all revolve around Marcus Mariota, and I see the season going three different ways. One one of three ways, I guess. Um, Marcus Mariota resurrects his career and has a, a a good enough season and plays well enough for. Him to stay quarterback throughout the season, stays healthy, which is a very important thing. Um, and then you have an unknown commodity in Desmond Ritter is what I would guess would happen at the end of the year because if Mariota's playing most of the games, I don't think any of these games are going to really be blowouts. There's not going to be a whole lot of time for Ritter to get in. There won't be a lot of garbage time for us just based on how the team's set up. Um, but that's that's one scenario, and in that scenario, I think that's where you land in your whatever Vegas odds are. I I'd say between four and seven games, four on the low end, seven on the high end. Obviously, I that's one of the scenarios I see happening. I but it, that's not what I want to happen. Um, you also have a scenario where Marcus Mariota does what Marcus Mariota normally does, and some sort of injury happens. I don't want him to get hurt. I truly do not. But if this does happen, then you have Ritter coming in, and you're going to get to see what Ritter is. Now, what I really want to happen is to see what Ritter is now. So for next year, depending on what happens and where we are on the draft, we know what we have in Ritter. If we go through this season and we don't know what we have in Ritter, then you're looking at us definitely looking at drafting another quarterback in the first round. Mariota, in in my mind, if Terry and Arthur thought this through, that they knew two-year contract for Mariota puts him as your stopgap. Now, you draft Ritter in the third, not necessarily thinking that like he, he could be your guy for the future, but you got him in the third, so you're not worried about that pick if it doesn't if it doesn't work out. It doesn't hurt so bad. You didn't draft him top ten, and now it's a bust. But you have Mariota for two years, so if you get to see what you have in Ritter this year, and find out one way or the other. So scenario two is Ritter comes in and shows you flashes of greatness, and you think that he can be that guy for the future. Good. Now you have that answered. You know you know what that is. Um, the other one is he comes in and he does not perform and you now know that you need another quarterback, but all three of these scenarios lead you to next year's draft. Now I don't, I I hate this so much because people are like, Oh, you can't want to lose games. I don't want to lose games. I want to win all of them. But what I really, really hate is being in the middle of the draft. What I really, really hate (laughs) is, is losing those three games by less than five points and, and winding up with just a, a middle-of-the-road draft pick where those those wins would have got you in the playoffs. And 
I just can't, I can't deal with that anymore. So I, what I'm looking at here is if they think that you bring in Mariota as a stopgap, you find out what you have in Ritter. If you get a chance to find out what you have in him this year, you find out it's something good, you still wind up at the top end of the draft. Then you look at a defensive piece for next year. Uh, and, and I am I'm not a Bama fan, obviously, but I am salivating over the idea of Will Anderson early on in the first round because uh, Stroud, C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young are probably going to go at the top. And depending on who's at the top of the draft next year, there are some other good quarterbacks. It's a quarterback-heavy draft next year. Um I really just want to know that we have something good in Ritter. That's my ideal situation. Know that we have something good at the quarterback position so we don't have to spend what could possibly be another high draft pick for us next year. Um, all that being said, I, I, I'm i excited uh, about the Mariota situation just because he's familiar with the system. They're they don't have to do a, a lot of learning. He knows exactly what Arthur Smith wants to run. He actually, he knows uh, one of our new wide receivers, Brian Edwards from the Raiders. They already have a rapport. Um, he's he's a veteran in the league. He's He can mentor the young guys. Um, I think we're I, I think we're in a good situation. I told you rose-colored glasses. I see everything in an optimistic view right now, but... Those are my my three scenarios on how everything pans out. And one one of the scenarios leads us to drafting a quarterback in next year's draft and the other two hopefully give us a stud on defense to continue building with. I hope and I'm I'm going straight homer and also straight kind of uh you know yeah to some of these Falcons fans who were always complaining. I hope Marietta up uh, Marietta it's a fine town here in Georgia, but it doesn't play quarterback for the Falcons. I hope Mariota, what is he, 28, 27? Still a pretty young guy. I hope he figures it out. I hope he turns on some magic and plays in Atlanta for like seven seasons, and they win, and it's just amazing. That, I hope. I really hope that. But Sure, that's, I mean, that's, <sighs> that's exactly what I'm talking about. If he can play a full year and if he can – do well. I like if we if he plays well and we know we have something in him and because we're our team is strapped or young or a patchwork quilt or whatever these people want to call it, maybe the team doesn't perform as well as you think and we lose every single game by one point, but we're out there giving it our all. No participation trophies, but that'll get us a top three pick in the draft. You know what I mean? So I. I want him to be good. I don't want the quarterback position to be a question mark on this team anymore. I think he I I think he has the talent. He Arthur Smith probably wouldn't have signed him to a two-year deal just because it was a friendly face. Like he he knows what he can do. I I hope everybody knows what they're doing in this scenario. Uh hey, and we'll see. <clears throat> the Falcons boy historically haven't they always been really good at just being good enough to not have good draft position. Like I just, if it's going to go bad, I hope it goes really bad. Well, that was my whole idea mm. with like the, if, if they think like I think, like if they're thinking that we get Mariota in here for two years and that literally gives you the two years, it gives you the one year. And I don't know that you knew you were drafting Ritter, but it gives you two years to figure out your quarterback of the future or potentially to resign him. But you have those two years for sure. 
You get Ritter this year, which maybe was part of your plan. Maybe you thought he was going to be gone anyways, but you have him now. So you have this year to figure out what Ritter is. And then next year, if you don't like what you see, you can get another quarterback and you still have Mariota for a year, whether that's a backup role or a starter mentor role, whatever it is, you still have him, but he's the stopgap before your future quarterback starts playing. Yeah, I I don't have any basis for this. It's just a gut feeling, an instinct that I have. And you've known me for a long time. Uh, sometimes uh, quite a few of my instincts about certain things in, in regarding sports have I've been pretty accurate. I got a decent little track record. I'm not an expert. You know, I'm not Mel Kuyper or anything like that. But I have made some pretty uh, significant kind of calls in, in my day. And I don't know why. I just don't think Desmond Ritter is the answer. I, I just something about the situation. It just, I don't think we're going to have Desmond Ritter in the Falcons ring of honor. I don't think it's going to be something we look back on 10 years from now and talk about. I just don't. That's, that's it. It's just a feeling, but moving on. Cause we, I'm sure you <clears> hope <throat> you're proven wrong on this one, but well, it'd be great. I just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how I, I just, for some reason, I just, when I think about it, I'm like, no, I don't. Is it because know. he just came out of college, but he looks older than you? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> the whole Greg Oden thing. There's so many of those guys around. But let's keep it moving forward because, strangely enough, I, I always talk about how 45 minutes is a lot of time to fill, but <clears throat> we are uh, approaching the end of episode three. So next thing, uh, always, uh, uh, you know, questions we had last year, questions coming into this year, and a, and a big one is the O-line. Give me your, uh, let's talk, you know, preseason preview. You know, you got some stars here and, and stuff. Let's get into that. The offensive line for us is obviously obviously a huge question mark. Has been for a while. Um, has been since essentially Matt's rookie season. Um, you have two, I would say, two guaranteed spots on the offensive line, and that's just Jake Matthews at left tackle and Chris Lindstrom at right guard. Um you're looking at Caleb McGarry probably being your right tackle. There's a huge battle between Drew Dahlman and Matt Hennessy at center. Um, all signs right now point that Elijah Wilkinson from that we got from the Bears is going to supplant Jalen Mayfield, who is a awful. <laughs> and I told Mark I was going to interrupt him ahead of time, so I didn't seem rude. But he has been getting his ass whipped. All camp. He's a, a, a damn turnstile. and uh, But it, it's so weird that when we, when we drafted him, they're like, well, watch, watch this video of him playing against Chase Young. And it's just a highlight reel of him doing a couple of pretty good things against Chase Young. And like, oh, okay, great. Where's, where's the rest of the highlight reel? Either way, um, you took a, a – who knows? Maybe he's something he got – completely demoralized and I I don't know I don't know what his psyche is like right now but last year he got abused mm-hmm. um and they I mean it was so bad that they just kept showing like how how much improvement he was making from week to week just to make it seem less bad but it was tough so uh, I, we also have uh Jermaine Effetti um out there our boy Justin Schaefer from Georgia hopefully we get to see some of him I I'd love to see him just completely show out and and burst on the scene. But uh, offensive line is something pretty much like every group. It's just something we're going to have to watch and see and see what happens. Like you can read as much as you want. You can hear who's outperforming who in practice. But until I get to actually lay my eyes on it and see it in real time, I don't, I don't know. 
All I know is Jake Matthews is going to start, Chris Lindstrom is going to start, and before week one, they'll probably, probably let us know who the rest of the offensive line is going to be. I mean, if the Falcons, I'm going to have some fun here in, in just a couple of seconds just to have fun on the show, but if the Falcons need any advice on how to construct an offensive line, they need to look no further than their neighbors down in Athens because them boys, Sam, between Sam Pittman, Matt Luke, and, and our current coach, they have got some road graders and they're getting it done. But all in all, with the Atlanta Falcons over the years, and you said since Matt Ryan's rookie season, so we're going on, what, 12, 14 years now? When you think about the Atlanta Falcons offensive line and the draft picks they've brought in to try to show up the offensive line, this is what this is what everybody hears in their head. It's been rough. So then you kind of switch over. You know, we're not we're not switching sides of the ball, but you kind of uh, shift gears and you talk about weapons. Falcons have a really good weapon in Kyle Pitts. Um, and Drake London, I just preseason is tough for me because I always go to Allen Iverson. Man, we talking about practice. You can look great in practice all you want, but practice in preseason is a whole different animal than the regular season. So you got you know Drake London. There's some big questions at wide receiver. Who's going to step up? We got Felipe Franks, who looks like he's going to be transitioning. He's a big old big old dude, big old you know? athletic dude, and. Hopefully he's gonna he's gonna fit into some sort of Taysom Hill role for us, and I mean that would be that would be great to switch things up if if we're in a position where we can get weird with it. But um, it honestly, I'm just glad to see he he hasn't really done anything wrong. There's just there's not room for him as a, a QB one right now, but as a backup quarterback, and give him something else to do, get him on the field if we can, use him, just. Not be another clipboard holder. <laughs> now, can we? Can, since you brought it up, and and I don't think I'm fudding the Falcons. I think everything we've talked about are facts. Historically, the Falcons have struggled in the draft pick department. They've had offensive line problems for a long time. They've had defensive end problems for a long time. You know, pass rush and stuff. But somebody the other day called Taysom Hill discount Felipe Franks, and I was like, I think you got it all wrong. I I think Felipe Franks is probably discount. Taysom Hill, but like we said the last episode, it's just a lot of question marks right now. And you just you just gotta trust the process and trust the new regime until they give us a reason to not. And that's all I'm saying, Atlanta fans is And I'll relate this back to the Hawks too. I still see people talking negatively about Travis Slink, and I'm like, what what has he done? What has he what has he done or not done to make you feel this way? Because you know, maybe maybe he did one thing where he didn't improve the lineup thinking he could take the heat from the Eastern Conference Finals run into next year. But uh, that's getting off topic that, yeah. trust me, I'll, I have a lot to say on that as well. Um, but, yeah, you look Kyle, – Kyle Pitts is one of your – one of your knowns on this team. There's no question mark at tight end. He's, he's easily top five in the league going into the season, and who knows what it looks like. Who knows – what happens on the offense? Who knows if our running game gets going? Let our running game get going. Uh, Drake London's on the field now. So without Calvin Ridley last year, my man was getting double and triple teamed, and he still got 1,000 yards. He still went to the Pro Bowl. He's he's an animal. He's a unicorn. Um, 
Glad we got him. Oh, me too. Well, so the two guys that I wanted in that draft were Kyle Pitts or, uh, and of course I'm going to blank on his name, uh, linebacker Cowboys from uh, Penn State, Micah Parsons. Those are the only two people I wanted, and they're both absolutely crushing it. Um, but Kyle Pitts, you have to you have to assume he he elevates his game. You go out and get a guy like Drake London. You got another big body. Was he's like six five, six six, two hundred pounds. So now you and he widely known for being the best jump ball receiver in this class. Also, also just the number one receiver in the class. But really, 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 really good at coming down with jump balls. Red zone, red zone, red zone. Yeah, those 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 need to flash. And the one thing that everybody, not so much the, I mean, the fans talk about it, but they get it from every other media outlet is that our red zone efficiency was absolute trash. And now you have two guys that seemingly fit the bill of red zone destroyers because now there's two of them, and that's going to hopefully wreak havoc. But if that wasn't enough, we went out and got got a couple big body boys in the in the wide receiver room. We got some grown men coming out of that room. No more, no more of the 5'11", 175 speedsters. <laughs> we got we got three, four guys over six foot three, yeah, approaching two hundred pounds, big dudes. I heard an interview with uh, Brian Edwards that we got from the Raiders uh, from South Carolina Gamecock fame. He, uh, they were talking to him and he's talking about how he loves to block. Like it's one of the, to run block because he feels like that's his contribution to making the run game better, which then opens up, uh, the passing game for him. So he, he feels like it's a reciprocal thing. He does this and he does it well and he enjoys it because he knows it's going to come back and help him, uh, and the team in the long run. And I, man, you got to love to hear that because, our running game has been abysmal and you can point that directly at the offensive line if you will. But you know, wide receiver blocking is a huge thing. Tight end blocking is a huge thing. So what we'll see where that goes. The, the running, the running game. I, I honestly have no idea. Cordero Patterson, uh, they toyed with uh, listing him at wide receiver this off season. Um, so I'm, I'm not even sure what he's listed at right now, but on the depth chart that I saw, it said he was uh, the number one running back. So we're going to go with that. Uh, so you know what you have in him. Uh, you you don't know what you have necessarily with Damian Williams. You got Kadri Allison back, uh, who says he's in the best shape of his life and refocused and all the good things that you want to hear. You don't know what you have there. Tyler Algier. The kid we drafted out of BYU. Very excited to see what he's all about. Uh, Hopefully this is just a diamond in the rough, and I don't even know if it's necessarily a rough because he he played very well at BYU, but you hear BYU and you think, oh, no big deal. Uh, Anyways, all unknowns except for Cordero Patterson. Uh, If any of these guys step up and our offensive line holds up and we can block for them and we can get a running game going that, that allows us to move Patterson around and make him uh, an even bigger weapon. If you, if you have a running back established, you can move Patterson out with London and with Pitts. What that's a nightmare. I don't care who your quarterback is. That is an absolute nightmare for defenses to match up with. Um, I offensively, I I'm, I'm just, again, 
So many unknowns, but I can't wait to see. I see potential in literally everything, but again, until you actually see what they can do and what they're going to do, you don't know. But I'd rather focus on like the possibility of this being great rather than the possibility of this just being awful. Yeah, and you know, I hate to bring this up, but I will play devil's advocate. Like, can Cordero Patterson repeat last year's success? His career has been a little spotty, and, and he did. Wow, he had a great year. And he says he loves Atlanta. He's feeling good, wants to finish out here. All those great things. And it can be a little depressing when you start talking about Falcons football because these fixes haven't happened, and they've been talked about for so long. Like Offensive line has been a problem for a long time. Pass rush, a long time. Uh, red zone, a long time. How, how many seasons now have they been talking about red zone offense? It seems like forever. So It does seem like forever because they've been repeating it for so long. It's just it's on a constant loop in my head. Yeah, so there's a lot. and I think defensively we have a lot more to look forward to or not as maybe not as many questions. I think uh, probably the def- defense is, you know, and like you said last episode, Dean Pease's defense apparently is a little difficult and a little tricky to learn. But well, that's I think it's awesome. They can be awesome. They're further along than I think. I mean, he was the architect of some of those great Ravens defenses, if I'm not mistaken. 100% so, right. Um, it seems like they're a little further along in the process. And, and defense, man, they can keep you in games. So, you know, maybe, maybe this year the scenario is that the defense steps up and, and kind of makes a, a – a, you know, a leap into that next kind of a tier of, of play and has the ability to keep the Falcons in games. And maybe they, they sneak a couple out, you know, and maybe, maybe this, this thing you got here that with, you know, that Fontenot and, and Smith are building, it starts to gel and comes together and, and we can, you know, see what happens. But, and that's, here's a crazy thing about sports, man. Are the Falcons going to march all the way to the playoffs? I, it could happen. It, it could. literally could happen. That's what I'm saying. Nobody, nobody knows. Would you? Would you wager money on it right no, now? No. no. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, you, you. It's the same reason. Same thing with any given Sunday. You look at, just on paper at all these other teams, and I can name you quite a few teams that, on paper, right now, are way better than the Falcons. That does not mean come week three, the, those same teams are going to be better than the Falcons. You, you just never know. That's why I don't I don't make these snap decisions. That's why I used to hate preseason rankings. Um, still hate preseason rankings in college football. Like make those rankings in week four. What? Why would you? Why would you tell me what you think they're gonna be? Why wouldn't you give it a couple weeks and then put it out there? Um, that's yeah. a story for another day. But on the defensive side of the ball, I, I think pass rush and red zone offense and offensive line have been the our bugaboos for now seemingly forever um pass rush we have we've added d'angelo malone in the draft out of western kentucky arnold ebiketti out of uh ebiketti um out of penn state uh these guys are are both dean p's prototype guys they he they went and got these guys for a specific reason uh troy anderson we went. He went and got him for a specific reason. I was just giggling at my house, hoping that he wanted to turn him into like a super safety or something, because the guy plays linebacker. He's faster than hell, and he also played quarterback, so you know he's he's smart and he he understands football. But please turn him into a super soldier in the secondary if you want to. But uh, Lorenzo Carter, we bring in. Uh, you got Rashawn Evans. Uh, we still have Michael Walker and Ad- uh, Adeo Dengeji. Yeah. 
Ogundeji. Yeah, I'm going to mispronounce his name quite a few times this year. But people are talking about how the linebacking core is probably the biggest, uh, I, I guess, the the most consistent part of our, our defense right now. Uh, but the one I'm most excited about is, without a doubt, our secondary. And while we're not super deep, we already know another another proven commodity on our team is A.J. Terrell. We know exactly what oh, yeah. we have in that guy. That guy's an absolute animal and a gamer. And now we bring in Casey Hayward Jr. to play across from him, which means that you can't just avoid him at all costs. You can't avoid him anymore. You're eventually going to have to throw his way. Um, but Casey Hayward is no slouch himself, and now he's going to be over there, and he's probably going to have some very opportunistic uh, chances to to make some plays because people are going to try to throw away from from AJ Terrell. Also, Richie Grant and Jalen Hawkins as the safeties. Uh, Jalen Hawkins looks great in preseason, but will that translate into the regular season? Will that translate into real games? Like, not I don't. I hope he shows out in the preseason, but I want to see it when when it really counts. Like, hopefully, like this could be very exciting. It could be very fun. You got ball hawk and hard hitter. As your safeties, those you want that so bad. And if these guys play to their potential, we potentially have a really good secondary. And Isaiah Oliver as our nickelback, I I don't really want him on an island with anybody right now. But I'll take him. I'll take him in the nickel. I don't. I don't mind that whatsoever. Like our secondary could could be good. And with if we are able to produce any kind of pass rush that's only going to help them be better but yeah all that all that all that can do is potentially make your secondary better uh defensive line uh we're probably god you got to hope marlon davidson comes around i'd love to see that not be a wasted pick i'd love to see that not be a bust you know what you have in grady and hopefully you can just put a couple of guys down there with him that uh can just hold it together so we can get the guys off the edge and it, if they buy into DNP's system, hopefully, hopefully that's what they're that's what they're working on. And that's what we're going to see. But again, till the game starts and until we get some some tape, we won't we won't actually know. But optimistic is so, where I'm at. So there you go. Uh, you know, we're getting our little telltale signs and timers that we are out of time. We've actually gone over, but hey, man, there's just so much to talk about. Uh, we're we're gonna have another episode, but we got to put a bow on this one because we are over time. But I, I want to sneak. One last thing in, it was your idea, but we got a thing coming up for you now called the Fave Five Friday. Just something to get you involved, and it may not even be sports, but kind of our top five. And this like, week, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, so top fives seem to be a thing that are going around, and I actually love top fives, but playing back into that whole agree to disagree thing, when you tell somebody who your top five are, they think that you're telling them that that is the top five without question. So we decided to switch it up and run a fave five because these are going to be our five favorites. And if we think they're the best, great, whatever, but it, it's our favorite. So like his opinion's probably going to be different than mine, but you know what? It's all right. That's cool. But so just a little clarification. This one is our five favorite Falcons and I'll kick it off. My five favorite Falcons of all time, just mine, not yours, not his Matty ice. In, in no particular order either. This is just five Falcons. Matty Ice, of course. Matt Ryan, greatest quarterback we've ever had. Deal with it. Done. No argument. Prime. You got you to put Prime in there. 
the hammer, Jesse Tuggle, Billy White Shoes Johnson, and to round it out, and I got an honorable mention because I wanted to sneak him in here, but to round out my Fay Five, Gerald Riggs. That dude was a tank back in the day. And my honorable mention was Scott Case. A lot of people don't remember him, don't know him, but that dude could put your lights out. He was one of the hardest hitters. That's mine. There you go. Uh, my Fay Five start out the exact same way with Matty Ice and definitely, definitely Deion Sanders. Uh, Matt, Matt Ryan is probably just going to be a solid number one for me for a very, very, very long time. If anybody supplants him, then we are probably winning Super Bowls. Um, after that, I, I loved, absolutely love Ricardo Allen. Ricardo Allen is always going to be one of my favorite Falcons. Uh, William Moore, a name some of you might not remember. Willie Moe was absolutely one of my favorite people to watch. Um, and I, I people people have trailed off on this man, but I Julio Jones. Julio Jones is absolutely one of my favorite five Falcons, even though the tail end of his his tenure here was a little tumultuous, and maybe people will have a bad taste in their mouth about him, but I was here when he got here, and I, I got to enjoy some really, really great times, whether it was he and Roddy or uh, him him out there running the show. But my honorable mention, and I, I honestly probably should have pulled Ricardo or Willie Moe down and put this guy in my top five, but work done. I absolutely I really enjoyed watching him play the Dunn and Duckett years and it, and playing with them on, on Madden with, with Michael Vick was a cheat code. So uh, <laughs> running the ball with them, I, I love work done. Work done is such a great human being on top of everything. So, yep, that's my fave five. So there you go. That rounds us out. Roddy, we, we didn't forget about you. We love you, Roddy. We, we know. We, uh, maybe you should have made one of our lists, but you're on somebody's list. We we'll, love you, Roddy. We'll do a fave 15 yeah. again. But again, so we've fun. really got to get out of here because, you know, you got things to do. We got things to do. But at BelieveATL66, follow us on Twitter, BelieveATL66 at gmail.com. Thank you so much. Interact. Atlanta, we love you. Atlanta, we need you. You guys be good, be careful out there, and we'll see you later. Do you believe?